0: Hey guys, this is Rick Godwin, pastor of Summit Church here in San Antonio. Thanks for joining us today. You know, we're excited to have you on our podcast. Our goal is to inspire you and to challenge you and help everyone realize their full potential in Christ. Now enjoy the message. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, we begin a new series today on overcoming anxiety in an anxious world. Philippians 4, verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Well, I had a bad day. Always. Well, I've been sick. Always. Well, you don't know what I'm facing. Always. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. How many know we live in an unhappy world? All you have to do to sink into deep depression is listen to the doom jockeys on national news with their endless spitting of doom and gloom, despair and agony. Absolute pessimism, because it sells. You hear about the economic downturn. You hear about the international tensions in the Middle East. Healthcare is enough to make you sick if you even think about it. Your 401k is shrinking in value. Well, joy to the world. And we reach for Tylenol, had a call, anything you have at all That kind of help you through the day. Americans represent only 6% of the population of the world, but we take 90% of the tranquilizers. And I guess the message is we are an uptight group of people. I heard one woman say, the only thing holding me together is my hairspray. Our joyless condition has produced a nation, according to psychiatrists, where one American in four has a serious emotional problem. So if you get in a group of four people and the other three look normal, it's you. It's you. God's Word said it's, will, it's His will for you, for I, to be joyful. Psalm 16, verse 11. In your presence is fullness of joy. Matthew 25, 21 says enter, something you have to do, enter into the joy of your Lord. So what does that mean? It means you have to be willing to embrace joy to have it. If you're going through life sucking a lemon and you're mad all the time, let me tell you something you don't want to hear. Nobody cares because anybody can be like you. We're looking for people who have the courage to look at reality and be joyful. John 16, 24, Jesus says, Therefore, you have asked nothing in my name, but now ask and receive that your joy may be full. Ask and receive that God will give you the desires of your heart. Ask and receive that God will make a way where it seems impossible. The spirit of doom and gloom has invaded the church of America, and there is often a sad lack of, of just old-fashioned, simple-hearted, overflowing, life-changing joy in the church. You find more joy in a lobster tank at Papa Doe's than in the church. That's not good. We have joyless marriages. Now, I know marriages are made in heaven, but so's thunder and lightning. <clears throat> one, one man was asked, what's the secret of your marriage? He says, well, we go out twice a week to a beautiful restaurant for great food and companionship. She goes on Tuesdays. I go on Thursdays. (laughs) One man asked his wife where she wanted to go for her anniversary. She said, someplace different. So he took her to the kitchen. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know. Somebody call Uber. I'm going to need a ride. Medical science says laughter releases an enzyme in your brain that fights sickness and disease. Laughter, the Bible says, heals the soul. Proverbs 17, verse 22, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Laughter, joy is medicinal. Luke 8, verse 10, the joy of the Lord is your strength. If you have no strength, you can't fulfill your divine mission in life. The church of Jesus has got to recapture the joy of the Holy Spirit. Just hours before Jesus is plunged into the sea of suffering at the cross, he looked at his disciples and said, these things have I spoken to you that you your joy might be fulfilled. Well, what things? Well, think of what he said. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. Be of good cheer. It's I. Don't be afraid. So Jesus was a person of joy and cheer. The Apostle Paul had joy after being shipwrecked, being beaten, being stoned and left for dead, falsely imprisoned, thrown out of town. So how was your week? I mean, really, want a skill suck your thumb? Somebody took your parking place? Somebody got your seat? He says, rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice well, what's the point? The point is, if you woke up this morning and you aren't in an obituary column, hey, rejoice. Be exceedingly glad. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Everybody didn't wake up today. You did. I did. Six o'clock this morning, fog and mist. I took the dog out, and Lily had me had to look up in that nasty weather with me saying, this is the day, Lily, the Lord has made. I am going to rejoice and be glad in it. Every day I wake up and I say, thank you. I get to live another day on planet Earth. Thank you, Jesus, for life. Let it rain. Let it fog. I don't care. Thank you. My heart's beating. I've got life. Another day to fulfill destiny. Philippians 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. the key word is always. See, in good times and bad times, on a mountaintop, in the valley of the shadow of death, when all the bills are paid, when they're unpaid. Rejoice in the Lord always. That's got nothing to do with your circumstances. Few people really understand joy. Now, there's a difference between joy and being happy. I find happiness kind of comes and goes during the week. It'll go mostly, but it comes occasionally. (laughs) Ever hear somebody say, I just want to be happy? Yeah. How many of you have ever said that to yourself? Yeah. Don't raise your hand. (laughs) Most people pursue happiness with stuff like they got to have drugs or sexual fantasies or exotic trips to a paradise location. Then they unpack, they look in the mirror and they're looking at a hundred percent of the problem. And they're not happy after all. See, the word happiness comes from a Scandinavian word, hap. And we get our word happenstance, which means you're controlled by circumstances. If the circumstance is good, I'm happy. If the circumstance is not good, you can't be happy. See, what you really need is the joy of the Lord Jesus, because the joy of the Lord is there regardless of what's going on in my life. It's there. David played his harp for King Saul, and Saul threw a spear at David. Nobody's thrown anything at Nate that I've noticed in the last few years. That's good. But old Saul threw a spear at David. The circumstance was not happy, but the joy in the heart of David kept coming through that harp towards Saul, and it came out of David's heart. So your circumstances today may not be happy. But God's joy will keep coming to you regardless of circumstances in your life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Paul and Silas sang in the midnight hour in prison after having been beaten by a Roman guard. Then God sent an earthquake, the New Testament version of Jailhouse Rock, I guess, knocked that jailhouse off its foundations, loosed all the prisoners, and Paul and Silas walked out with the prison keys in one hand and a convert in the other. They were joyful in a midnight hour against terrible odds. Circumstances did not change their joy. Rejoice in the Lord always. Then in Hebrews 12, it says, verse 2, that Jesus endured the cross for the joy set before him. Well, what joy could there possibly be when you're going to be beaten to death, crowned with thorns, nails driven into your hands and feet, your sides split open by a Roman spear, and people spitting on you? Where's the joy in that? The joy that Jesus had was the fact he knew he was setting you and I free from a debtor's prison of sin, that he was redeeming mankind and making us sons and daughters in the kingdom of God. He saw that possibility coming if he would offer his sinless body and blood on a cross. So for the joy, the reward set before him, he endured the cross. See, with joy, Jesus took my poverty and joyfully gave you and I the riches of Abraham. With joy he opened the windows of heaven so you could receive the blessings of God the Father that you could walk in divine favor which is better than silver and gold. Scripture says a day of favor with God is worth a thousand days of effort. In one day the favor of God can move you from your pit to a palace. One day the favor of God can open a door where there is no door. With joy, he took your sickness and disease and gave you divine health. If you're in this room this morning, if you're watching online and you're sick in your body or a disease is attacking your health, in the name of Jesus Christ, you rise and be healed. For Christ has paid the price of atonement at the cross and you have a legal right as a believer to health and healing. If you are suffering with some infirmity today, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke it. I rebuke infirmity and weakness, pain, and sickness. I command it to leave your body. Thank you, Lord. We are begotten of God. The wicked one has no legal right to touch our bodies. We have been legally purchased with your blood on the cross, and with your stripes, we are being made well. So in Jesus' name, I rebuke infirmity from your body, weakness and disease, and I decree every disease-carrying germ, every virus that touches your body will die in the name of Jesus, that you may live strong and healthy and well, that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. With joy, Jesus took your shame and gave you his name. Now you are known in heaven as sons and daughters of the Most High God, You may not feel like royalty today, but I can assure you, you are kings and priests unto God. The royal blood of Jesus is flowing through your veins. With his name, you receive his authority. He said, what you bind on earth, I will bind it in heaven. What you loose on earth, I will loose it in heaven. Now listen, watch your mouth. Watch your loosing. Watch your declaring. When you get the bad news or some report, you bind it in the name of Jesus. God has not left us as victims in this world. He's given us weapons. He's given us authority. And most people don't even know who they are. Most Christians come to church and just hope it'll be a good day. You can make it a good day. Jesus gave you authority. We have an identity crisis in the church. People don't really believe they are who God says they are. I am what God says I am. I have what God says I have. I can do what God says I can do. What I say in the authority of Jesus' name and from God's word will become a reality. That is a powerful truth. You will not be bold if you don't know you have been given a right, an authority. Because I know that I have that authority, it gives you confidence. It gives you boldness. And that means when the enemy attacks, and he will... You have the power to resist and to say, I'm not taking this. I'm not laying down and being your doormat. I rebuke you, Satan. The Bible says, resist the devil. Now, that's Scripture. That's clear Scripture. If you're an Episcopalian, that's Scripture. Clear Scripture. It doesn't care what your race is or your gender or your denomination. It's Bible. We've been robbed of a lot of things in the Bible because if the enemy ever thinks you know who you are, he knows what it will mean to his kingdom. You become dangerous. Don't you want to be dangerous to the enemy for crying out loud? Don't you want to cause him a little problem? He causes us enough problems. You know, when you roll out of your bed in the morning and your eyes roll open, every demon in Bear County and colmel County ought to tremble in fear because you're awake and the authority of Almighty God has been given to you to speak words of power that will crush the principalities and powers of darkness. In Washington, D.C., that's where I was this past week, anybody who has direct access to a president of the United States has awesome power to achieve their political objectives. Leaders of the world, Will come from around the world just to talk to a president for a few minutes. The richest corporate leaders in our nation will wait for hours just to speak to him for five minutes. Why? Because one yes from him can turn your corporate or national life around. You think about that. Well, every one of you that's a follower of Jesus Christ should shout for joy, real joy, because Jesus Christ has given you direct access to God the Father. He says, what you ask the Father in my name, he'll do it. Nothing is impossible to you folks. You don't get to see the president. I get it. But you get to talk to God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and he can make anything happen. Somebody say amen. Amen anything possible. How do you know? He says, greater is he in you than he that's in the world. I'm not a victim. I don't, well, my parents didn't love me. I'm not a victim. I'm a child of the living God. I've been given new name, new nature, new opportunities. My old me's been taken away and God's progressively making me like him and you as well. Hopefully, hopefully you're a little better now than you were. So, God's word said, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be open to you. In Hebrews 4 verse 16, he says, let us come boldly to the throne of grace. I don't crawl to the throne of grace. I don't act like a worm or unworthy. Jesus already made me worthy. And he says, now Rick, you can come boldly before death. Now, if you have kids and they were And let's say you work in some office and your kids go bounce. Little toddlers come in the door. They don't need an appointment with your secretary. They just come bouncing right in the office. Oh, by the way, when they're teenagers, they come bouncing into your office. And they usually want money, want to do something. Daddy, can I have? Daddy, can I have? Mommy, can I have, right? Sure they do. And God says, I want you to walk into the holy of holies with boldness. The Father is waiting to hear your petition and he can make a way where there seems to be no way. He can move those mountains of impossibility. He can divide the waters of the Red Sea. He can back up the sun 10 degrees. He can walk you through flames of a fiery furnace that will not burn you. He can scatter your enemies like chaff on a summer threshing floor. He can anoint your head with oil. Your cup will run over with the abundance of God. In your darkest night, when your heart gets broken, when you've lost the love of your life, when you've tried and failed, when all hope seems to be gone. In a daring act of faith, practice the secret of Christian joy. Just lift up your hands and rejoice in the Lord saying, God, I don't know how you're going to whip this giant, but I'm going to be victorious in your name. I don't see the answer yet but the victory's coming in Jesus' name. I don't see how this is going to happen, but I'm standing in faith, believing you will not fail me and that everything is going to be all right. Somebody say amen. Come on. My God. Which leads me to this point. One of the secrets of Christian joy is the phenomenon of shouting. Now, do I have Bible for that? Oh, yes, I do. In Numbers 23, verse 21, just for a start, when Balaam, this pagan king, offers a big hunk of money to this corrupt prophet named Balaam, he says, I want you to curse Israel, and I'm going to give you a big reward. But he couldn't do it. He came back and told Balak, I could not curse them because the shout of a king was among them the shout of a king. They were shouting praises to God, and the corrupt prophet could not pronounce a curse against them. King David said in Psalms 47, verse 1, clap your hands, O you people, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Let me pause there and say, if you're a Christian, that's clear scripture. Clapping your hands is not Pentecostal, It isn't Baptist or Methodist or it's Bible. And if the Bible says, that's for me, I'm taking it. Don't let people force you into a box. Well, I'm I'm Mercedes. Well, I'm Chevrolet. Well, I'm Ford. Well, I'm Tesla. Everybody wants to box you. Well, the box ought to be no bigger and no shorter than God's Word. And God's Word says, clapping is Bible. There must be 50 scriptures on to clapping. Secondly, shouting unto God with a voice of triumph. Yeah, come on. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Even, okay, hang on. I'm coming. I'm not quite there yet. Stay with me. In 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16, says, even the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and the dead in Christ shall rise. Joshua 6 verse 20, the people of Israel shouted with a great shout, and the walls of Jericho fell down flat. Joshua and the children of Israel were in supernatural warfare to get into the promised land, and they had to defeat Jericho. Jericho represented mission impossible. You may have one. Jericho was the undefeatable foe. Jericho was the barrier to the promised land. Jericho was the barrier to reaching their destiny and their dream. And just like you, you and I have barriers to reaching our destiny or fulfilling our dreams. They walked around those massive walls for six days. On the seventh day, the priests blew the trumpets and the people gave a great shout. And what happened? Well, the impossible happened. The invisible hands of God pushed those walls down flat and the supernatural power of shouting brought amazing victory. Here's the point. Many of you have walked around a major problem a long time. You've allowed some Jericho to block you from your supernatural inheritance. Maybe it's prevented you from reaching your destiny, fulfilling the dream God gave you. Well, the answer is, how about let's shout it down? You have a Jericho in your life right now, and that attack by the enemy requires an absolute victory. So, if Joshua did it, if Israel did it, if Jesus is coming to do it, then we can do it now. I want you to shout your wall down for the next 10 seconds, and I want you to give a divine shout that will blow the walls of your Jericho onto the ground. Are you ready? Hit me again one more time. Let's give God a mighty shout of praise and triumph. I rebuke you, Satan. I rebuke you, Satan. I rebuke you, resistance, and every demonic force assigned against God's people and God's church. We rebuke you in Jesus' name. (coughs) Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well... (laughs) Lord Jesus. That's the most excitement I've seen in this place in a long time. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Okay, grab a seat. Now, for those of you that are white as a sheet and you just came as a visitor and you never seen that done before and you think it's off the edge of the envelope, let me give you the biblical justification for what just happened. Shouting in the authority of Jesus according to the Word of God is a weapon. We have several weapons. It's a weapon in supernatural warfare. Listen to Psalms 149. Psalms 149, verse 5 through 9. Let the saints, that's you, be joyful and let the high praises of God, that shouting, be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance upon the heathen and punishments upon the ungodly, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute upon them the judgment of God that is written. Can you see that point of a spiritual warfare that shouting here in the name of Jesus becomes a weapon of warfare. You shout your high praises to God and it releases him to go to war against your enemies. It releases God to go to war with everything opposing you from achieving the dreams that God put in your life. How many of you, like me, would like for God to declare war on your enemies. Even David said, avenge me of my adversaries. Shut the mouth of the wicked. Break the teeth of the wicked, almighty God. Let shame be their approach. Let their name be a reproach and a byword. God can make that happen. I can't do that. I forgive my enemies, but I can cry out to God, And God, who is a God of justice, will deal with your adversary. I want God to declare war on your enemies. Will you give God praise right now for the victory that's coming? A shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Yeah, weeping may endure for a night. We've all been there. But joy, wonderful joy, comes in the morning. When King David danced before the Lord, that'll upset some of you Methodists and Episcopalians, and maybe even a few Baptists. But he danced before the Lord in joyful celebration over the return of the Ark of the Covenant. And his wife, Michael, mocked him. Can't believe you behaved like that in church. Stood up, shouted, said amen, clapped your hands. My God, what are people gonna, we're gonna think of us in dominion? We won't even be invited to a party at Christmas. Yeah. Well, his wife mocked him, and God cursed her on the spot with barrenness for the rest of her life. And a lot of churches in America are barren because they have rejected the joy of the Lord and accepted religious and political correctness as the standard of what's proper in Christianity. The joy of the Lord makes rich and adds no sorrow to it. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22. People say, well, I'm too dignified for that. Well, I'm sorry, but you don't know the difference between dignity and rigor mortis. You're dead as a tree stump, and you don't even know it. Because what's going to define Christianity is clear scripture. Clear scripture, that's all. The secret of Christian joy hangs on two words, then and when. John 20, verse 20, then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. See, when you see the Lord, then you'll be glad. When you see him high and lifted up, then you'll be glad. When the disease attacks your body and you see him as the great physician, then you'll be glad. When you are burdened and don't think you can survive and you recognize he is your burden bearer, then you will be glad. When you're alone or forsaken and you see him as a friend who sticks closer than a brother, then you will be glad. When you're in a financial crisis and you see him as Jehovah Jireh, the God who supplies, then you will be glad. Then you will be like a tree planted by rivers of living water. Your leaf shall not wither and whatever you do will prosper. Mary saw him as a baby in Bethlehem. The disciples saw him as a great teacher calling him rabbi. The Pharisees saw him as a demonized heretic. Rome saw him as an insurrectionist, too dangerous to live. But when we see him, when we see him as he is, King of kings and Lord of lords, joy conquers depression. Now, we're not talking about the depression that requires psychiatric help. We're talking about people who are just less than happy. Almost everybody at some time gets depressed. Moses was 40 days with God Almighty face to face. He came down from the Mount Sinai, his face shining with the glory of God. He saw his congregation in the valley, and he threw down the Ten Commandments and broke them. He broke them before anybody saw them, because in the 40 days he was gone. They had elected a new pastor. They had developed a golden calf theology, and they were having sex with each other. Yeah, that'll kind of make a bad day for any pastor, I'm sure. (laughs) That'll depress you. Job was depressed. Listen to Job. Cursed is the day I was born. Why wasn't I born dead? You don't have to have a degree in psychology to know that man is depressed. Hello? Yeah. Elijah prayed, Lord, take my life. I'm the only one left in San Antonio living for you. And God said, look, Sparky, snap out of it. I got over 7,000 people in this neighborhood, just as righteous as you. Get off your little pity party. Stop sucking your thumb and get back in the game. Charles Haddon Spurgeon wrestled with depression. He had a church stampede. He killed four members of the church because some mentally ill man jumped up in service, screaming, fire, fire and being a wooden building, and in fear, people were trampled to death. So his elders took him home and prayed for several days over him until the sorrow and heartache that had crippled his brilliant mind was removed by the mighty counselor. And again, he was filled with the joy of the Lord that shook the world with the power of the gospel. Abraham Lincoln lived in constant depression. But if you know anything about history and the wife he lived with, you can understand is depression. Check it out. Winston Churchill suffered deep depression, saying depression follows me like a black dog. The fact is almost everybody gets depressed at some time, but who stays depressed? Those and only those who choose to. Joy is a decision, not a feeling enter into the joy of the Lord. It's a decision to discipline your thought life. It's a decision to reject the whiny, pity me attitude. It's a decision you make in your mind that God is either in control of my situation or he's not. And if the hairs on my head are numbered by God and not one bird falls, he doesn't know it. He's totally in control of what may have caught you off guard. And if he's in control, why are you crying about it? It simply means you don't believe God can do it. God is on his throne, and everything's going to be all right. I know enough Scripture to realize whatever darkness overtakes me, whatever sickness comes upon me, whatever uh, bad situation is thrown against me, he's still Lord. I'm still his kid. He's being my back. Back door, got my back, rear guard, lifter of my head, my fortress, my rock, my high tower, my buckler, my son, and my shield. I know he's in charge, and you can't take me out until God says so. I know that. And he can't take you out. Well, you don't know what the doctor said. I don't care what the doctor said. I mean, the point is, if it's not your time, you're not going anywhere. It says of Jesus, they kept trying to kill him, but his time was not yet come. Read Psalms 90. Your your days are numbered in God's book. I still got days left. Okay. And if you woke up breathing, you still got days left. He cannot take me out of God's time for my life. It says about Paul, they tried to kill him over and over, but they could not. You can be harassed. You can be attacked. You can be delayed, but nothing's going to take you out if you're a child of God doing God's will until God says, come on home. Until that happens, I don't care if it's stage four cancer. You're going to live and not die. So stop crying. Stop worried. And what's the worst that could happen to a believer? I got eternal life. I'll be in the presence of Jesus. I'll be there before April 15th rolls around. And who's going to be unhappy to miss tax? Yeah, my God. See, Scripture says, let no man take your joy, John 16. People can't steal my joy unless I give it to them. You rejoice by choice. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice. And one of the fruits of the Spirit is joy. And Jesus is the source of that joy. That's why the angel said on the first Christmas morning, behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy joy, which would be to all people. See, joy is not an emotion. Joy comes from the person of Jesus Christ. Christianity begins with angels declaring over Bethlehem's manger, joy to the world. The Lord has come. And it ends in the book of Revelation with the saints standing on a sea of glass, singing the song of the redeemed. The point is the gospel begins with a song and it ends with a song. Yeah, Christianity has its disciplines, but if you lose your joy, we've lost our Christian credibility. God is a God of great joy, and God's joy is a joy that will endure. Hebrews 12, verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Behold, we count them happy who endure. That's in James 5, verse 11. Those who endure to the end shall be delivered. That's Matthew 24. So joy is never found in quitting. Joy is found in endurance. Uh, Let me pause a second and say, the scripture says, you have need of endurance, child, that after you have done the will of God, you might obtain the promise. And what happens is we do what God said, And we don't, we're Americans, so we don't get it on the table in 15 minutes. We want our money back. And God says, you need endurance. But after you do the will of God, you will obtain the promise. That's endurance. And most people quit before they get to the breakthrough or the deliverance. Because he said, I know you want me to fix it today, but you need endurance. I will. Come through for you, but you have need of endurance. So quitting is not an option. See, it's found in enduring. If you're somebody always starting something and quitting, I'm going to get a new wife. I'm going to get a new girlfriend, new boyfriend. I'm going to get a new job. I'm going to get a new church. I'm going to get, you need some better friends. You need some friends to get in your face, slap you once or twice into sobriety and say, get over it. Everybody gets offended. Somebody will say something you didn't like. Do something. You get around negative people. They'll create toxicity in you. If you start something, you finish it. You stay with it. If you're going to see anything happen that's going to be good, you'll have to go through dark days and some trials and adversity. In this life, you will have tribulation. Jesus promised you that. I don't care if you pray in tongues, if you tithe, if you come to church and volunteer and you clean the parking lot with your tongue, you're still going to have trouble. You're still going to have trouble. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Jesus got this thing under control. You're not doing yourself any favor by quitting. So stop that. You know, every one of us wants to succeed in life in marriage, in business, in the ministry, but so few do because they have forgotten that great works are not performed by strength and talent. They're performed by endurance, by perseverance, by grit, and staying after it when everybody else quits. So you're like that little pink energizer battery rabbit. It's always beating that drum. Still going, still going, still going forward. Now there comes a time in every life, every ministry, every job, every career, when quit looks good. There comes a time in every marriage when quit looks good. There comes a time in every business when quit looks good. Some of you are tired. Maybe some of you are exhausted or battle weary, and quit looks good. Don't even think about it. Put on the whole armor of God and go to war and fight to win. Call up a good friend and share. I am feeling lousy. I feel like giving up on this dream. Knowing that friend is not going to let you go there. You do not want encouragement when it comes to giving up or quitting. Fight the good fight of faith. Endure hardness as a good. Who told you it's going to be easy? Where did you get the idea? Well, I'm a Christian. And I expect the devil just leave us alone and everything going to be good. Yeah. come up here and let me slap you, right? You, I don't know who you are listening to, but they've lost their mind. Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus. If God be for you, who can stand against you? Yeah, they can come against you, but they cannot prevail. Remember, there's not a victory without a fight. There's not a sunrise without a night. There's not a purchase without a cost. And there's no crown without a cross. Being a Christian is not the easiest thing in the world. A rubber band is effective only when it gets stretched. And remember the tea kettle. I just had some a while ago. Though it's up to its neck in hot water, it sings its best song when the water's hot. Kites rise against the wind, not with it. See? Success doesn't come overnight. Joseph comes to the throne of Egypt through the pit his brothers threw him in. And sometimes the worst heartache you'll ever know is from those closest to you. So through the false charge of rape, Joseph was innocently sent to prison by the original desperate housewife of Egypt, Potiphar's wife. But he went from prison to the palace as prime minister in one day. Because when you're in good with the will of God, you can go farther in one day than the rest of the world can go in a lifetime. Amen. Because when God promotes you from the pit to a palace, oh baby, buckle up, it's a rocket ride. Because you've been prepared by God to meet your destiny. God uses nobody greatly until he puts you in a blast furnace to check your fortitude factor. And if there's an ounce of quit in you, God won't use you, because in the day of battle, he knows you'll fold. Did you know that God told the army of Israel, to Joshua's, let everybody that's afraid go home? <laughs> 22,000 went home. That'll encourage you as a leader. That, that's, a, that's a big weapon of the enemy, fear. And that's the one thing God says, I didn't give you. I did not give you that. Again, your identity's off whack. You've forgotten who you are, what you are, what you have, what you can do. See, a great barrier to joy is just allowing yourself to think, somebody else has created my problems. Wrong. Whatever you are today can't be blamed on anybody primarily but yourself. You are today, and I am today, where you chose to be yesterday. And choices have consequences. You and I alone are responsible for our choices. Not mommy, daddy, not the government, not your school teacher, not your stepfather or mother. I am responsible for my choices after I became a teenager. Nobody can take God's joy from me unless I give it to them. Young people say, well, my parents didn't love me. Well, that's good freshman psychology, but terrible, terrible theology. When you come to Christ, You become a new creation. Old things become new. You get a brand new heart, a new nature, a new attitude, a new perspective, a new value, new speech, new friends, new habits, new goals, a new life. That's something to shout about. Get off your pity party. Be glad to be you. Your parents didn't love you. Your Boy Scout leader didn't love you. Your school teacher didn't love you. Well, goody. God loved you. Loved you so much he sent his son to die for you and make you a child of the living God. Stop digging up bones in your past bitter memory and whining your life away. In other words, get over it and rejoice in the Lord. He loved me. He died for me. I am begotten of God. I am God's property. And now that's my dad whether you had a lousy home or a good home. I didn't come from my mom and dad. I came through them. And God just picked up their DNA to make you, to make me. So I don't care what they did or didn't do. It has no bearing on my future. And I know that. So I release my mother and father from whatever trauma or bad choices they made, what they did or what they didn't do. Some of you need to finally draw a line, dig a hole, and put it in a hole and bury it and say, it's over. Stop saying, I can't. According to God's word, I can do all things I should do through Christ. Stop saying, maybe. Start saying, today, by the grace of God, I will. Stop saying it's impossible. God's Word says nothing is impossible to those that believe. Put the Word of God in your mouth and in your heart and be the happy, victorious war God made you to be in Jesus' name. How about a good shout right now? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus. Hey, thanks again for joining us today. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe and share it with a friend. Follow me by visiting the links in the description. I'm praying today that God richly blesses you this entire week.